Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff, your host, Returning to Eden. We're glad you're with us this evening. I'd like to thank everybody who tunes in, and I really do appreciate all of the people that are uh, downloading the uh, archived um, shows. There's, we're seeing a pretty good, uh, a pretty good clip of you folks out there downlo downloading the the archive shows, or you're listening to them, or whatnot. We're doing per pretty good on the podcast page, and I like to promote the podcast page because that's where every show. Uh, it's just kind of easier for people to go get to it. Uh, my co-host is with me, Dina. Say hello. Hello. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing much better now that my yes. back seems to want to act right. Great to uh, hear that. We're going to jump right into the program tonight, guys. But I want to, if you weren't with us last week and you didn't catch the show, uh, Dina's, we're trying to get everybody to realize there's a lot more going on in the garden than a bunch of plants and stuff growing and Adam and Eve walking around naked and everybody happy and cheery. There's a lot of things taking place in the garden. And for some reason, Moses wrote all of this information in a way whereby those people back then would have understood. But we have to kind of meander back to their time, which is uh, really the backbone of the show, Returning to Eden, so that we can kind of work our way forward through the authority of Moses, the writer, and try to break down some of these things. And last week we talked about Genesis 2.15, about how God placed Adam into the garden. And I, you know, I did this whole thing with a bunch of people, and I, I asked them, when you see God placing Adam into the garden, what do you see? And virtually everybody said, well, I see a hand making a man out of dust, and then he's naked and bumped over a wall, and presto, ta-da, now Adam's running around in the garden. And that's really kind of uh, hyperbole and not how things really happened. And so um, I was reading in a book by, um, let's see, Jacob Milgram. It's called Leviticus. This was recommended to me by a friend of mine. Uh, some of you know Daniel McGurr. But anyway, I read a passage in there. It says, the instance is a vivid illustration of the function of the high priest anointment which is otherwise designated by the verb sanctify. Indeed, the anointment sanctifies the high priest by removing him from the realm of the profane and empowering him to operate in the realm of the sacred, namely to handle the sanctums, which is largely what Dean and I are trying to really bring out and draw out, that there was something going on whereby Adam was appointed to do something and he failed and the consequence has been catastrophic. But well, we want to walk back through the garden. We want to walk back through that history. And we want to kind of extrapolate from all of this information what's really going on. And so last week's show, if you didn't listen to it, I think it was called Returning to the Center. Or I can't remember what we... Yeah, Journey we, to the Center. Journey to the Center. Go back and listen to that program. And I, I highly encourage you to go to Israel... Israel TV network and listen to Dina Dye's uh, teachings on a lot of this stuff because here you're listening to it on the radio. If you go to Israel TV, you can actually visually see her uh, give the presentation about literally a lot of what we're talking about. And this week we're going to be talking about trees. And, uh, you know, you I found you have, a verse. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you have to hang on to your seat. And I would encourage you to remember that the Father's restoring us back to the reality of what he's doing. So we all have to make this journey back to something in order to see really what, what's going on. And that's kind of 
Dean is about to rip the tops of your head off <laughs> no. as she talks about trees. <laughs> Last week we read a verse, and neither one of us had it in our head. My sister actually looked it up. Uh, Dean, why don't you read that verse? Sure. So it, it is in Mark 8, and it talks about the blind man. So they came to Bethsaida. Uh, some people bring a blind man to Yeshua and beg him to touch the man. This is in verse 22. Taking the blind man by the hand, Yeshua brought him outside the village. After spitting on the man's eyes and laying his hands on him, Yeshua asked the man, Do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see men. They look like trees walking about. Then Yeshua put his hands on the man's eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored. So, you know, the tree thing is very important in the ancient Near East cultures. We threw out a word several times called the axis mundi. Um, mundi, the French is monde, le monde, which means earth, and the axis is the, the center. So when you think of an axis, you know, we have a vertical axis and we have a horizontal axis. And the point at which they meet is how we describe the, the meeting together of heaven and earth. So if you think about a tree, uh, a tree looks like a meeting place. Of you got the trunk for the vertical axis and you got the branches for the horizontal. There is so much tree language in scripture. Now, for example, uh, Israel is seen as a tree, and those that join her are grafted into that tree. This, this information is all over the place. So when you go to the ancient world, it, what, what scholars will tell you is that in the center, the center is key. So I, I think I mentioned last week, we're always looking for the sacred center. So if you looked at the temple building itself, not the outer courts or anything like that, just the temple building, which is in the shape of a rectangle, essentially. When you enter in, there's a, a, pub, a more public space. Uh, we call it the porch or the ulam. And then you, in the second temple, you went past the curtain there. It was the, we called it the Babylonian tapestry, where Josephus describes it as, as kind of being, representing the universe, but in particular, representing a garden, which is very interesting. When you pass through that the curtain, you enter into the holy place. Now, the holy place was where the priests served. The Levites did not serve in that space. The priests and the high priests served in the holy place. And then, so that was a, a more uh, private area, but it was the space in between a public and a totally private area. So the most private area would be the holy of holies. Right. And, of course, only the high priest could go into that sphere. So everything was about, uh, was about space, and sacred space and spheres. So if you were at the Ulam, the porch, you would have the ministry of the, the men of Israel, the Levites, and the priests. <coughs> when you moved into the holy place, you have the ministry of the priests and the high priest. And then when you moved into the holy of holies, you had the ministry only of the high priest. So you see how it's... It's elevating from a, a more pu public area to an extremely private area. So the garden or the holy place stood in between these two realms. The outside, more public, represented the earth, and the inside uh, private space represented 
by the Holy of Holies was heaven, you know, those terms. So now you see the garden as the space in between. It is the overlap between outside and inside, between heaven and earth. And this is the place that we end up with Yeshua. When Yeshua is uh, his, with his death, his burial, and his resurrection, what, what, he was hung on what? A tree. Okay, yes, he was crucified. That's how they capital punishment went in those days. But the, the fact that it was a tree was telling us that he hung in the place that where heaven and earth met. And so that space represented the garden. Now, in the garden... Adam was serving as a priest. We talked about that last week, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. But that is the place of service of the priests. And so when Yeshua, with his resurrection, opened that place, the garden, so we could return and serve as priests once again in the same way that, that Adam did and have access to that sphere. Inside that garden, we had standing the menorah, we had the, the which was plant life, the tree of life. We had the altar of incense, the incense also being plant life. And then we have the table of the bread of the faces that came, the bread that was baked came forth from grain. So the whole of that sphere represented plant life. So in the ancient world, a great tree always stood in the center of something. We call it the world tree, the axis mundi. It was the it was there that they say at any time you have a sacred center that's where creation came forth and chaos was pushed back and so that's what we see in the garden that place where chaos has been pushed back now that the, we of course we have two trees which is a, a somewhat unusual in the ancient world although there were some examples of two trees in the garden now we're, we're moving off into my opinion but the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, Ephraim the Syrian said that that tree represented the curtain and going into the Holy of Holies. Obviously we don't know that for sure. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was seen as being the judgment tree. And it's been tied by a number of scholars to the Ark of the Covenant, which is inside the Holy of Holies, the sacred space from which the throne sits. And that the tree of life represented the menorah and the light of life and all of those things and we can we can certainly see that tied to Yeshua but these two trees stood in the center of sacred space and they were for the purpose of bringing heaven and earth together and in that space was where Adam worked as the gardener and where we ultimately are supposed to serve I maintain that the garden the kingdom of heaven is present on the earth it's just not everybody can see it it's that invisible place between heaven and earth. And so we are now laborers in the garden in the same way it functioned in the temple. And, and part of that labor is to go out and work in the cult and cultivate in the field to see fruit produced. So I let you say something or I'd probably take the whole show. Well, <clears throat> it all makes sense because, you know, in, in, in every instance, Moses set up a tabernacle. <clears throat> he spoke about the tabernacle or the garden temple. And so all of the activity that we're talking about was centered around our ability to kind of produce a garden environment or a temple. Right, right. And then to perform in it. And we had the written instructions on how 
we were to conduct ourselves in that space or in that place or in the earth <clears throat> in order to bring well this is where it gets kind of even it gets a little difficult for me to wrap my head around it because if, if Adam's job was to you know the one thing that consistently happens Dina are, are questions yeah. <laughs> questions consistently <laughs> well that's what it's supposed to do yes so I'm because of Adam's failure in the earth realm, in the garden, in the right. place where both heaven and earth were to be brought together, or the heavens and, well, I guess the underworld. And that was, it, was, it was his job as priest and mediator to bring heaven and earth together. Which is why I read what Milgram wrote, because he was removed from the profane in order to do something, uh, in order to, to sanctify something, to bring order, to bring... Uh, to bring, literally to bring the pr presence of Elohim. Yes. You know we're we're supposed to prepare you the way of the Lord. Okay. Well. <clears throat> oh that was the purpose of the trees was to right. bring order and stability to the universe at the place that was the center where heaven and earth met. And well, he I want to go back to serve there. I want to go back to the verse in Mark. Okay. Because, I mean, there's layers and layers to why uh, Yeshua spit in his hands and rubs it on the guy's eyes. But the fact that he saw people and they look like trees. Yes. That, that to me, is, why in the world is that in there? Exactly. Because this is garden language. Trees were people, but in particular, trees were kings right. and priests. We are supposed to be trees as kings and priests. That's what it's referring to. This is so speaking of, you know, the garden sanctuary. That's what he is seeing. He is seeing priests in the garden sanctuary performing their duty, and their visual is trees. You know, I'm reminded of the verse in um, the very first verse in the book of Job, where Job comes from the land of trees. Exactly. And, exactly. And it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, Father, why do we have to meander through all of this when they all understood this completely? Job understood his role. He was a high priest. He understood. He's, he, as a high priest, is just describing the failure as, you know, as a result of the destruction of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So he's describing the failure of the people to fulfill their obligation. And, exactly. of course... That is fluid from mm -hmm. Adam forward. It's fluid from the children of Israel that came out of the Red Sea. It's fluid that there's just been a consistent failure and pattern of failure to do what? To, to really follow the tenets of Torah and to prepare you the way of the Lord. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no question. Like I said, the point at which the, the two trees stood was supposed to bring order to the world and push back chaos. Now, uh, it's very interesting, uh, when we think about the first temple, and of course Solomon made the first temple and he dedicated it after seven years and he it was constructed from the cedars of Lebanon. Remember right. Hiram, yep. he, got, yep. he got him to bring down the wood and so the, the, the center space, the garden, the holy place, was all paneled with this, uh, framed and paneled with the cedars of Lebanon. And there's, a, there's an interesting description of an, 
uh, when you see Solomon's complex with the palace and everything, there's a lot more there than we, you know, we tend to just focus on the temple, but he had his palace, but he had this space called the House of the Forest of Lebanon. I don't know if you remember that. No. So, yeah, so go back and look at, I'm trying to think of where it is. It is in, try Second Chronicles 9.15. So one of the idioms for the temple, there are many. We've talked about it as the vineyard and, and green pastures and the granary and the storehouse. But one of the idioms for the temple uh, space, the garden, was the forest. So here he had this space called the House of the Forest of Lebanon, which was probably an armory. We're, we're not 100% sure here, but it, it does tell us they hung shields there. Now what, what's so interesting, and there's debate, I, I'm not going to get into all the specifics of how well, it was ordered. Give me that verse again, was it Second Chronicles? Yeah, Second Chronicles 9, uh, 15, and 16. Okay, go ahead. I didn't okay. there. So there were either three rows of 15 pillars or four rows, we're not really sure. But these pillars represented the cedars of Lebanon. Okay, so each pillar, we, we're not sure if there were live, it appears probably not. Now, there, there were a total of these 45 pillars, but what, um, I, I read this in the, oh, the Nature in the, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the book, I'll think of it later. But what they think is that there was, it was like an optical illusion, and somehow it was like there were mirrors at either end that created this image that it looked like a forest filled with trees, in particular cedars, but there were really, um, there weren't as many as, as we think. And so this place, uh, if these shields were sort of like mirrors and, and reflecting and making this imagery of, of the forest, and of course what's the significance of the shields, etc., is to guard the sacred space. And yeah. so now we think about Adam in the garden, what was his task? to serve and to guard. He was to guard the sacred space and not allow an enemy in. So here we have that same picture of the garden represented in the house of the forest of Lebanon, the Solomon. Um, to, and that, you know, he, he did that in order to guard his sacred space. Did you find it? Uh, no, but I've been listening to you too, so I'm kind of distracted. Okay. So this is, it's very, very interesting. I mean, this, the number of images we have about trees and trees associated with particularly the, the holy place and the, the idea of a forest multiplying and producing fruit. We see uh, descriptions, for example, of, of the vineyard. Um, Isaiah chapter 5 talks about the vineyard. What's interesting about the vineyard, which is also another idiom for the temple, by the way, is that they would plant right. all kinds of trees in the vineyard. It wasn't just a vineyard. But uh, if you, and we could go through Isaiah chapter 5, thinking about God as the, as the beloved, the gardener, who took a vine and planted it in the vineyard. The vine represented the, the center space. And then built a watchtower, which is actually a picture of the Holy of Holies. And what was the purpose of the watchtower? Well, the family during the summer when it got uh, hot, would go out to the vineyard and they would all sleep in the watchtower because they needed to, you know, guard the harvest from enemies. There's this constant imagery about protecting the sacred space. Like we have this idea that somehow, well, you know, 
we don't there's nothing to be done this is the temple you know nothing's going to happen there and yet what they were constantly having to battle enemies that would come in and defile the space in the same way that the, the, the serpent the big issue here is that Adam's the one who let the serpent in okay right. and God didn't just go zappo here's a serpent deal with it he, and he was Eve was to guard it Eve was right there with him when she, where she if we think this was the holy of holies she shouldn't have been in there either I found yeah, I, the verse. I have. I mean, this is my opinion that I see the, the the Eden, the garden, and the field as three separate spaces. So you think it was in the field? Where I think it's in the garden. In the I think garden. That, I think Satan, Hasatan, the serpent, whatever you want to call, was the beast of the field. The field being outside that space, and that Adam let, let that in. into the garden, not into the. Not into Eden, which which is to me where God represented heaven or the world beyond time, but allowed that to come into the so garden. You, I remember you you brought this up uh, last week or one of our shows earlier, and that kind of surprised me because I see it as a defilement of the Holy of Holies because we see that as a pattern. So back me up a little bit. Why do you think okay. that? Um, but, well, as we look at how everything is always structured in threes, and I talked about that last week. So when you have this tripartite structure, there is always an inner space that belongs to the gods in which no one is allowed to enter. So I, uh, as I've been reading uh, Walton, Beale, and a number of other scholars, they have determined um, that there is a uh, distinction between the Garden and Eden. We just throw it out there, the Garden of Eden, but not that there's two spheres. And that the sphere that is Eden is the one that is, you know, like heaven, like the Holy of Holies. And I would maintain at that point, well, had Adam not sinned, he would have probably been allowed into that space. But that's so, another story. So then, then somebody said to me um, this whole litany of, of a good friend of mine, actually, when she asked me a couple of questions, pinpointing the Garden of Eden somewhere in Mesopotamia and Iraq or someplace. Sure. But really, what we're talking about is a symbol. Yes. You Not cannot put geographical right, you can't. places you can't on any of this. Right. You because cannot. The whole reason uh, we're having this discussion, folks, is because you have the garden language, or this is symbolic temple language. It's yeah. like yeah. cops talking about a cop shop. Yeah, when the disciples are sitting around talking about various things like the Father and the Son, they're talking about kingdom language. They're talking about they're not talking about a biological thing and this is Correct. kind of the same thing here. Yeah. We're not talking about a garden with, with trees and flowers and although yeah. those things were probably there. We're talking about the place where God dwelt. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the place where the high priest served, and then we're talking about the nations or the field where everything else was. That's yeah. kind of how the breakdown is. Yeah. For example, and remember, it's a mountain. Right. Okay. It's this is not a flat alluvial plain. It's a mountain. Which makes you wonder. Are temples? Well, it also goes to the fact that I often wondered, Father, why did you tell us that Cain was killed in the field? Right. Why did you use? Why did you say field? What? What is? That's always been in my brain. Okay, so if you take the earth as the sacred space, and Eden is that behind the curtain, 
the garden is the center space where the priests function. Outside the garden, in dry land, is the field. So there are things going on in the field. Now we could say perhaps that represented the altar area in the temple, you know, outside. Right. And then surrounding that boundary you have the seas, the seas, which is the nations. But Cain was not of the nations. He was of the family of, right. of Adam. But he certainly couldn't enter into the garden since we got two Caravim there. So now they're, they're reduced to working in the field. They're going to do the same work, but they're going to do it in the field. No but it's going to be a total pain right. because the thistles and thorns and briars and all that stuff, they're going to have to work the ground there, but they still have the same responsibility. But they do it in a place of disorder and chaos as right. opposed to order. Exactly. Which is what we're talking about. We're talking about the return of order, and which goes back to the whole thing. The reason Cain or Adam was placed out of the profane, which we could call the field right. or the seas, right. uh, he, was he was removed from all of that and placed into a position of order to bring order to everything. Right. Because he was the... He was the very thing that would bring the 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 presence of God. Well, yep. see, that's that, that was his job. But but here's the thing: God walked into the garden. He walked into the cool of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, he walked in because up until that point in time, there was no reason for him to not be separated. That you probably are covering this in your book. I am. Because if he moved Adam from a place of the profane, then he wasn't dwelling in the profane. So Adam's job was to pretend and care for the sacred space. And then the father comes walking in, or the creator, or Elohim, however you want to put it. He comes walking into the cool of the garden and says, what happened? What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're all ducking for cover. But the yeah. bottom line is, he separated man from that place. Right. And he guarded it, and he did exactly what Adam was supposed to do. He stopped everything that was profane from entering into that space. Yep. And so the sense is that he is moving his presence out. He's moving his presence out from Eden, heaven, holy of holies, into the garden space. So the garden becomes the place of the kingdom of God, where God rules and reigns. And that's, I know we look out and we live in one heck of an evil world, but the garden space is present because of Yeshua's resurrection. Right. And because God's spirit, his essence, his presence has moved out from that and is, is in this sphere that we're in. And then we walk around in fear and terror, and he's right with us. Well, the interesting thing about that, too, is we can't see him because right. we're literally inundated with the profane that we've raised up in yeah. one well, sense. Well, and it's we've, all, it's based basically on, I mean, I hate to use the word, but behavior. You know? Right, our, be, our behavior. You know, in the Christian world, Satan did everything. If I right. was Satan, yeah, I, would yeah. be, I would be begging God for a break. <clears throat> <laughs> Why do you think we have that in Revelation? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's a whole other story. But the idea of it, it doesn't, you know, that's the external enemy. <laughs> Our greatest enemy is ourselves. 
Which has always savior. been the case. Always. Has always been the case. In fact, the very fact that Adam foiled all of this is a direct, re it's a direct result of his behavior. Right. And Satan, it always then, comes down to and that. And then Satan showed up. Yeah, he chose not to guard the garden. And so we don't the enemy, even go there. Yeah. The enemy moved freely about and did whatever he wanted. And and I, I I portend everybody that the reason Satan was not destroyed in the garden is because the choice we made was to serve that master. And, and it's all about that. And that's what we're the, the when Messiah said man should not live by bread alone, he was quoting the Torah. In other words, he wasn't entertaining a discussion with the profane. He was quoting the laws and the the whole thing. He he's into the rest, restoration of the legal precedent of the kingdom of God. That's what he quoted from. Right. And Satan didn't put up an argument. He left. Yeah. Yeah. So, but all of that took place in this realm, yeah. in the earth, all of it. So in the fact, garden when, is here yes. now, present. We yes. have to expand it to the four corners of the earth. And and we have to recognize we live in it as covenant people. And stop looking this. for utopia. Right. Or or as I like to say, stop waiting for an airlift. Yeah, exactly. You have been because placed here now to work the garden, to expand it, to serve as priests and kings. And God is with you doing it. And just like Adam we have an obligation and it's the obligation between two parties that has to come together because the father has not reneged on his obligation to any of us Amen. but none of us have followed his and so as we return to the garden Dina we're just we're really out of time how would you like to close our show this week <laughs> with fear and trembling I, don't, I just want to encourage people to just chill <laughs> and do the work you've been called to do. Get out into the field and, you know, break up the fallow ground and do, you know, wherever you can put your hands to the plow, just do it. Abligate yourself. That's a, folks, I say it, I'll say it all as we close. If you do absolutely nothing, I guarantee you absolutely nothing will get done. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Shalom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.